When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. After the murders happened, was, let me ask you this. You've known Alec and have worked with him for a number of cases, is that correct? I, I had not worked with Alec in a number of cases, but I've known him for a long time. Okay, but you had you were generally familiar with him as a lawyer, is that right? I was. And what was your assessment of his skills as a plaintiff lawyer? What was he particularly good at? He was particularly good at um, reading people, making people feel like uh, they were the most important person in the room, and capitalizing on surprise with the defense. You have a case with Alec, he hasn't done anything, it's Monday morning of the roster, maybe you expect it to be continued, and he says, I'm ready for trial. And so he would he leveraged a lot of settlements that way. All right. Was he good at understanding the emotional and sympathetic aspects of, of plaintiff's work and tort work that can be so crucial in defining what recoveries can be in these types of cases? Yeah, I think he was particularly good at reading people and, and knowing what made people tick. You've testified that you had made it very clear to the defense throughout this time period that you were seeking a substantial personal recovery from Alec and had been told, well, he's broke, which you then responded, I don't believe that. Show me the books, correct? Correct. And that was what was on the table for June 10th, 2021, correct? Among other things, but Among yes. Among other things. But that's on the table, correct? Correct. Um, after the murders happened, did that have any effect on your assessment of the case against Alec, and particularly as it relates to the sympathies and the emotion of the case, which can be so important to recovery. Uh, it, it, I mean, yeah, yes. Uh, Explain that to the court then. Well, uh, initially, um, probably say the first week, there was the shock and horror of what had happened, and 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 nobody really thought about anything other than that. Um, but pretty quickly, I recognized that um, the case against Alec, if he were a victim of some vigilante, would in fact be over. It would be over. It would be over. And explain just quickly to the court why that's the case. Well, you know, when you're asking for a money judgment, um, people have to be motivated to give you that money judgment. 
Um, if you represent Attila the Hun uh, versus some sweet old grandmother, nobody's going to give Attila the Hun money. Uh, they would give money to some sweet grandmother. So if, if Alec had been victimized by a vigilante, um, nobody would have brought a verdict back against Alec. And, and, and I had other defendants in the case, um, so I would have ended the case against Alec. You would have ended the case against Alec with just? You know, I, 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 I probably, I mean, certainly there was $500,000 in insurance that was offered. Um, I may have tried to see if he could cobble together the million dollars, but whatever the last offer would have been from Alec's side, that would have been the offer that we took. Hey, lovely listeners, and welcome back to Crime Analyst and the intelligence cell that is literally overloaded with information about the Murdoch case, a case which is unparalleled with all the unbelievable twists and turns and rabbit holes that you end up going down, as well as data and data analysis and such a complex macro timeline. And it's in the midst of all of this that I want to ensure that in all the noise that Maggie and Paul... Stephen Smith, Gloria Satterfield, and Mallory Beach are not forgotten. Five people are dead in six years in the Murdoch family orbit, and I'm going to continue taking apart the macro timeline, because for me, it's about piecing it all together in order to understand the decisions that Murdoch took that led up to the brutal murders of Maggie and Paul on June the 7th, 2021. What did you make of the last episode? I've seen some of your comments, and I know that some of you are finding my deconstruction of the case fascinating, and thank you to all of you who've stayed the course. Keep your comments coming on social. And I know that some of you have said that it's a lot to get your head around, particularly now I've added in the financial information, the fraud and the corruption, but that is part of the tangled web Murdoch wove. You see, it's all relevant, and I want to do this case justice. I want the victims' voices to be heard. They matter, and I want there to be accountability. So I do understand that there's a lot of information to process. And you've heard me say so many times, and I'll say it again, the devil is in the detail. So I'm giving you the detail and the context. And in this case, there are so many behavioural reveals and tells, as well as mounting pressures and ticking clocks all created by one entitled man's self-serving decisions. And talking of time and clocks, I want to get back to the macro timeline. There's still a lot to unpack. And yes, the clip at the top of this episode is Mark Tinsley, Mallory Beach's family lawyer. He's bloody brilliant, isn't he? Thank goodness for Mark restoring our faith in lawyers in South Carolina. He's a lawyer with integrity and a man who you want in your corner. And it sounds like he knew Murdoch well. So that clip, well, that was part of his testimony, that Murdoch was good at reading the emotional temperature of people, and he was good at understanding what made them tick. And he wasn't the only person to testify to that. You know, I believe it was one of the reasons why Murdoch was successful. He made the right moves, Sometimes they were unexpected and unpredictable moves that totally blindsided people. And that's important to understand. Following the murders of Maggie and Paul, 
Mark Tinsley said that everyone and everything was thrown into disarray. He said that if Maggie and Paul had been killed by a vigilante or vigilantes trying to avenge Mallory's death, then he would have ended the case against Alec Murdoch. In other words, it would have gone away. So yes, you could say that Murdoch is very good at reading people. Prior to that, however, the Mallory Beach family case was going well. It was strong, and all the indicators, including mock jury presentations, were favourable to their case, meaning it was likely that they would win. Murdoch and his defence team were told that, and they also had some important video footage. Additionally, remember on the night of the boat crash, the hospital staff measured Paul Murdoch's blood alcohol level at 0.24, three times the legal limit. So that's important. And in a deposition, Connor Cook said that Alec Murdoch told him that he didn't need to tell anyone who was driving. However, Mallory's distraught boyfriend, Anthony Cook, had already told the deputy on the scene that Paul Murdoch was the driver of the boat. Alec Murdoch's behaviour that night attracted a lot of attention after the crash. According to statements from witnesses at the hospital, Alec Murdoch was going from room to room, attempting to speak with his son's injured friends. And a hospital security guard went on the record saying that he overheard Alec Murdoch say on his cell phone, She's gone. Don't worry. Just think about that for a moment. My God! Alec Murdoch had his solicitor's credentials hanging out of his trouser pocket at this chaotic and traumatic scene, and he's wandering around the hospital pressuring shocked and traumatised young people who were receiving medical treatment into telling law enforcement his revised version of events. It's just utterly unbelievable. In other words, when you break this down, he interfered with the investigation. And rather than putting his knowledge and resources and money and privilege into helping find Mallory, he was actually doing the polar opposite and trying to cover it up and make it go away. It's just such despicable behaviour. But then following the murders, of course everyone felt tremendous sympathy for Murdoch. So I think you can probably understand the temperature change on two different ends of the spectrum, and that's important for us to really osmose and understand. Hey, lovely. What's your makeup go-to? What do you need to face the day? Now, for me, if I apply my eyeliner, my brilliant eye brightener, mascara and red lipstick, I feel ready to face anything. But I know every now and again, I need to zhuzh up my makeup and my amazing sponsor, Thrive Cosmetics, has a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look. With clean, skin-loving ingredients, their foolproof products make it easy for any skill level to apply. Also, Thrive Cosmetics' Bigger Than Beauty mission is amazing. For every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. I love that Thrive Cosmetics supports domestic violence victims, breast cancer survivors, and women who are homeless. Now, if you want to wreck from me, you cannot go wrong with the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. Thrive Cosmetics Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara has a unique formula which creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. 
And they use nourishing ingredients that support longer, stronger and healthier looking lashes over time. Plus, it's super easy to remove and slides right off with warm water and doesn't leave smudges. So treat yourself or someone you love and help women thrive together. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash crimeanalyst. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash crimeanalyst for 10% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery. Prepare to don your detective hat in June's Journey, a free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. Take a trip in time to the glitzy 20s and play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. The thrill is endless with new chapters added weekly, allowing you to not only enjoy the detective adventure, but also to personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Okay, I'm going to continue with the macro timeline of what else was going on, bearing in mind that context is everything and no decision is ever made in a vacuum. Now you'll hear some new names too. Well, not new if you've been following the case, which I know many of you have. But all the while that you're listening... Please remember that for close to 86 years, someone named Randolph Murdoch served as solicitor of the 14th Judicial Circuit, which includes Buford, Colleton, Hampton, Jasper and Allendale counties. This is the only judicial circuit in the state of South Carolina to cover five counties. Randolph Murdoch Sr. held the office from 1920 until 1940. His son, Randolph Buster Jr., held it for the next 46 years, and Randolph III held it until January 2006. Also remember that four generations of Murdochs have practiced law at the firm Randolph Murdoch Sr. established in 1910. Peters, Murdoch, Parker, Elsroth and Dietrich, or PMPED for short. Although given all of Murdoch's horrific actions and behaviour, the company has since changed its name. But before all of this, PMPED was one of the most renowned personal injury law firms in the area. They held a lot of political clout. They also liked to wine and dine judges, hosting invitation-only judges' dinners at the annual South Carolina Association for Justice Conference held at Hilton Head Island. Good Lord, I mean, talk about being in each other's pockets. And Buster Murdoch served as a solicitor for 46 years, the longest tenure of any prosecutor in the state. Throughout his career, he only ran opposed in the elections twice. But it wasn't straightforward. Oh no, Buster Murdoch was indicted by a federal grand jury as part of an alleged whiskey conspiracy. He was accused of conspiring with a bootlegger to move an illegal still from Hampton to Colleton County to avoid detection by law enforcement officers. He resigned from office whilst awaiting trial on the charge. He was put on trial with 17 others, including a former sheriff. All were convicted bar one. Guess who? 
Yep, you probably guess Buster Murdoch. Now, despite the judge calling him grossly unethical, he was acquitted. Thereafter, he ran for office again and was re-elected in November 1956. You literally can't make this up, and I don't know how many times I've said that about this case. But throughout his reign, Buster Murdoch was known for his outlandish and theatrical behaviour in court. He retired in 1986, and his son Randolph III took over his remaining term. Randolph III, Alec Murdoch's father, tried more than 200 murder cases during his career, and even won two murder convictions in the same week. In 2018, Randolph III earned the Order of the Palmetto, the state of South Carolina's highest civilian order. During his political career, Randolph III ran unopposed in every election, five in all. Hmm, I have to wonder why no one ran against them. You see, for me, it's a reminder about the very real power and control and influence the Murdoch family held locally. Even when seemingly caught red-handed, they were able to turn the tables and somehow escape unscathed, and also persuade others to their way of thinking. Now, some might call it the gift of the gab, and Murdoch certainly had it in spades. Take a listen to this. Tell me, what was your observation of Alec as a lawyer in the office? How would you, what was your observations and characterization? Um, Alec kept different hours than a lot of the rest of us. He came in and he would work, work late, um, always loud, always busy, always in a rush. Um, <laughs> he had the gift of gab, but he always seemed last minute and hurried and frenetic. Always last minute and frenetic? Yes. Uh, what about his cell phone use? How was he with a cell phone? Constantly on the phone. Constantly on the phone. <clears throat> um, what were your observations of him as a lawyer? I think Alec um, was successful more, off, not from his work ethic, but from his ability to establish relationships and to, to manipulate people into settlements and clients into liking him. Um, so he did it through the art of bullshit, basically. That can be an art. Mm -hmm. So that was Jeannie Seconder again, and she said Murdoch was successful not because of his work ethic or his understanding of the law, but because of his ability to make people like him and because he was able to manipulate people. The art of bullshit, she called it. Ronnie Crosby, another former law partner, who has also known Murdoch for over two decades, he told the jury that Murdoch wasn't a real student of the law. Bloody hell. I mean, this is just crazy to me. Not a student of the law. He was supposed to be a lawyer. Now, all of this first-hand testimony from those who spent a lot of time with him personally and professionally really helps me to develop a profile of him. A much clearer picture of Alec Murdoch is emerging and his manipulation of everyone around him, many of whom now believe, including Jeannie Seconder, who had known him since she was 16 years of age and she also worked with him. Now she believes that she never really knew him at all. Manipulation and the art of bullshit, charm, pathological lying, shallow effect, grandiose sense of self-worth, lack of responsibility taking, lack of empathy, lack of remorse. These are all the traits of psychopathy. 
Murdoch had a lot of people in his pocket, and he fooled many, even at work, despite him not really knowing the law. He could charm people, persuade them, influence them to his way of thinking, and give people the impression that he was always busy. In other words, he suckered people in by reading their needs and matching their needs in order to get people on board and get them to do what he wanted. Remember what I always say, charm disarms. It's a choice, and it's often used as a manipulator. Also, remember what Shelley Smith said, Murdoch's mother's carer. She said that Murdoch was trying to influence her on the time that he spent at his mother's on June the 7th, and in that conversation he asked about her wedding for the first time and whether she needed financial help. He also offered to put a word into the principal, whom he knew at the school that she worked at in the day. He wasn't doing this out of the goodness of his heart, and these are the sorts of things that he would do to manipulate others. And some didn't even know that they were being manipulated. And then there are others who benefited in some way. The sort of you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. And talking of influence and scratching backs, in April 2019, Judge Carmen Mullen recused herself from presiding over the boat crash due to a long-standing relationship with Murdoch. This is really interesting. Firstly, Judge Carmen Mullen knew the Murdochs well. Some local insiders said that no one was elected without the Murdochs agreement. And the fact that she recused herself made me wonder about the impact on Murdoch. He may have thought that the boat crash case would go away if she was the judge. But with her recusing herself and Mark Tinsley on the case for the beaches, it didn't. However, what's also interesting is that Judge Carmen Mullen presided over the Gloria Satterfield case and on May the 13th, one month after she recused herself, she knowingly signed an order and approved a disbursement sheet for the 4.3 million settlement. And what's more, she signed off on the settlement knowing that her order would not be properly entered into the public record. In other words, it remained under the radar. Take a listen to attorney Eric Bland, who represents Gloria's two sons, Tony and Brian, talking to Mandy Matney about this. Um, she was the housekeeper there for, you know, almost 25 years, okay. you know, very close to the family, raised the kids. Um, any settlement that may have existed, um, the boys maintain that they have not received any distribution from any settlement proceeds. And, wow. Our, our goal is to get answers for them and to make sure that people who have, you know, represented them and owed fiduciary duties to them have done what they're supposed to do for these boys. That's our goal. Their mother, Gloria, raised the Murdoch boys and worked hard for them. Gloria and her family were supposed to be like family to the Murdochs, and that's how he treats them. It's so utterly disgraceful. Also, when Judge Carmen Mullen recused herself from the boat crash case, she then signed the order. Listen to attorney Eric Bland talking about this, because it's not just about the settlement money. She then signs an order. That's the third document I sent you. Okay. When you look at that order, the first thing you should say to yourself is, it's a different caption. The second thing you say to yourself is, 
What's the court term? How would this be filed when there's no number? The third thing you say to yourself is, it wasn't filed. The fourth thing you say to yourself is, I'm going to look at that last page, the settlement disbursement sheet, and you see it's signed by Chad Westendorf. And Judge, that was given to Judge Mullen for her to approve that order. And that disbursement sheet shows there's $4,305,000 of money coming in. It shows the attorney's fees going out of $1.45 million. Mm -hmm. The next thing that should catch your eye is there's $105,000 even. Not one hundred five thirteen, but $105,000 even of, quote, prosecution expenses. Expenses. What the hell is that? Unbelievable. $1.45 million in attorney fees and $105,000 in prosecution expenses. What the hell is that? I mean, what were they doing for those fees and those expenses? And why was Judge Carmen Mullen signing off on this despite all the red flags? And that's not all. Judge Carmen Mullen also helpfully removed Alec Murdoch from the paperwork, allowing him to hide his assets from Gloria's sons. In other words, they knew nothing about it. This is so despicable and egregious. Fitz News first reported that Gloria's family received nothing, and moreover, they were unaware that a settlement had even been reached. How could Murdoch and Judge Carmen Mullen do that? How was she still a judge? She recused herself finally in the Mallory Beach case due to a conflict because of her long-standing relationship with Murdoch, yet she signed off knowingly on this. Oh, and by the way, did I mention just how long-standing Judge Carmen Mullen's relationship was with Alec Murdoch? Well, she was at law school with him, and with Corey Fleming, the other lawyer in the case, working with Murdoch. So there's that. Chad Westendorf, the banker for Palmetto State Bank, stepped in and acted as attorney for Gloria Satterfield's sons. He was their personal representative, and he received a cheque for $3.8 million from Nautilus Insurance. Westendorf said that Murdoch was the one who persuaded him to be the personal representative of the family. He said in his deposition that Murdoch was the mover and shaker behind executing the scheme to steal the money from the family. Fitz News reported that Westendorf received $30,000 for a few signatures and appearing in front of a judge when the fee, realistically, would have been around the 2500 mark. And yet he never questioned it. Also, $4.3 million is a lot of money for Gloria's $50,000 estate. That number just doesn't sound right to me straight off the bat. Insurance companies mostly find ways not to pay out, and here they are paying out to the maximum amount. And guess who does get the money, and who does benefit? On the 13th of May, Corey Fleming writes a cheque to Forge for just under $3 million. Murdoch pays $100,000 in credit card bills. He gives his father $300,000, and writes two checks to himself for $610,000 and $125,000.
So it looks to me like everybody benefits from stealing money from the vulnerable and bereaved. And I have to say, it makes me sick to my stomach. The arrogance, the audacity, the callous disregard and cavalier attitude and the entitlement are just off the charts. And the Murdoch apples don't fall too far from the tree. In the spring of 2019, Buster Murdoch is kicked out of South Carolina School of Law for alleged plagiarism. On the 18th of April, Paul is finally charged with three felony counts of boating under the influence. This is hugely significant, particularly given that law enforcement treated him with kid gloves the night that they arrived on the scene of the boat crash. So this was a real turnaround. Now it's no longer about just the civil case. These were very serious charges and Paul was facing up to 25 years in prison. This changed everything. On the 6th of May, Paul is arraigned. He's released on bond and moves to Moselle. On the 29th of July, Paul's bond is modified to allow him to move freely throughout the state. In September, a federal judge ruled that Murdoch's Philadelphia indemnity insurance did not cover the boat crash that killed Mallory Beach. This was significant and a huge blow to Murdoch. Now, I mentioned this in the last episode. The commercial property, the Moselle Hunting Lodge, was covered by the insurance. Not Murdoch's drunk son Paul crashing a boat in the water nowhere near Moselle. Now Murdoch is personally on the line. It changes everything, particularly without a certain friendly judge who knows and favours the Murdochs. In 2020, Russell Lafitte becomes CEO of Palmetto State Bank. In May 2020, Maggie and Alec Murdoch sold their 6,800-square-foot house on Holly Street for 375000 according to real estate records. Now, this sounds to me like Murdoch's trying to cobble together money. On the 22nd of October, Murdoch pays Curtis Eddie Smith $9,085 from the Bank of America Forge account. Smith receives a total of $35,686 in cashier's checks this month from Alec Murdoch. At the end of October, the Bank of America account record showed a total of $839. In November, Alec Murdoch pays Curtis Eddie Smith $9,049. Now, I said that I would explain who this guy is. Well, Curtis' cousin, Eddie Smith, and yes, these are real names, I'm not making them up, is a former law firm client, distant cousin and alleged drug dealer of Murdoch. Curtis Eddie Smith is also the man who Alec Murdoch claimed shot him on September the 4th, 2021. But that's not what Murdoch originally told the police. No, the first story Murdoch told the police was that he was ambushed in a drive-by shooting whilst changing a tyre. He was taken to hospital for a superficial gunshot wound to the head. He originally said that the suspect was a nice-looking white male, aged between 30 and 40, with facial hair and close-cropped hair. He said he didn't know the person, but he'd recognise him again. An artist spent hours coming up with a sketch. But curiously, on September the 13th, 2021, nine days later, Murdoch changed his story and said that he paid Curtis Eddie Smith to carry out the shooting. I'll tell you much more about this very soon. But let me be clear. Alec Murdoch is not a credible person. Do I really need to say that out loud? Apparently I do. 
and I'm going to explain this crazy convoluted story and plot twist very soon. In December, one of Alec Murdoch's insurance companies signs a financial settlement in the wrongful death case of Gloria Satterfield. Half a million dollars were awarded. $166,000 was to go to Corey Fleming. Murdoch gives Curtis Eddie Smith four cheques totaling $29,784. In early 2021, Murdoch gives Curtis Eddie Smith four cheques totaling $39,236 in January and four cheques totaling $20,106 in February. Maggie writes a cheque for a charity luncheon that bounces. So it's interesting, isn't it, all this money going out to Curtis Eddie Smith And yet the Murdoch funds are dwindling. And I'm going to tell you more about these curious payments to Curtis Eddie Smith very soon. In the late spring, Randolph Murdoch III, Alec Murdoch's father, is sick with cancer and has deteriorating health. Paul is still having run-ins with law enforcement. Whilst out on bond, he received a speeding ticket and a boating violation. In April, according to the Daily Beast and People magazine, Maggie visits a divorce attorney an hour from Charleston. On the 6th of May, there's a voicemail on Murdoch's phone from Paul saying that Maggie had found several bags of pills in Alec Murdoch's computer bag. On the 26th of May, Maggie makes several internet searches for different pill descriptions. On the 28th of May, Murdoch gets cashier's checks for $22,109 for Curtis Eddie Smith from the Bank of America Forge account. On the 29th of May, Murdoch's family gathers at Adisto Beach House to celebrate his birthday. On the 3rd of June, Murdoch leaves a voicemail for Russell Lafitte asking for money. This is what he said. I need to extend farm credit line another 600000 My dad will sign also if needed. How much turnaround will that take? Now this voicemail is evidence that he's lining up his daddy to co-sign. Well, sadly, we know how that ends. His daddy was taken ill on June the 7th and Murdoch stayed at work in the office rather than going to be with him or be with his mother. On the 7th of June, I shared with you that Jeannie Seconder, who was COO and CFO at PMPED, testified that she confronted Murdoch that day about the missing money, and he was not happy about it. And I also shared the micro-timeline that Murdoch left for Moselle from PMPED much later than he told SLED, and then Paul and Maggie murdered within minutes of being with him. Well, apparently Murdoch's law firm got wind of his dodgy financial dealings earlier in May, and they brought in a forensic accountant to assess the situation. But that's not all. A statewide grand jury were investigating Murdoch's finances prior to the murders. Yes, prior to Maggie and Paul's murders. In April of 2021, there was a subpoena by the grand jury for Murdoch's bank records. Take a listen to Will Folks, founding editor of Fitz News. Oh, and by the way, before he founded Fitz News, he served as press secretary to the governor of South Carolina. All right, so most of the news out of the Murdoch murder crime and corruption saga has been kind of white noise lately. There have been a lot of indictments. There's a lot of investigations, obviously. But a lot of folks are waiting on the double homicide investigation. They're waiting to find out what happened at Mazelle, the Murdoch hunting property, on the night of June 7, 2021. That's when... 52-year-old Maggie Murdoch and 22-year-old Paul Murdoch were murdered. 
we don't know who did it at this point. Investigators are zeroing in on uh, those they believe to be responsible, we're told. Uh, but for now, we don't have any indictments related to that story, and that's kind of what everyone's waiting for. But, but there's a story this week that could have some bearing on that. Because again, if you're a regular reader of Fitz News, you know that the Thursday, the very week of those murders back in 2021, three days after the murders, Alec Murdoch was supposed to meet with attorneys. He was supposed to appear in court to answer a host of financial disclosures, uh, interrogatories in this uh, boat crash case, the civil case that had his family on the hook for a huge multi-million dollar payout. Well, Murdoch wasn't providing the financial information he was supposed to in that in that civil case, and he was going to be hauled into court the week of the murders, the week of the murders, to be compelled to produce a lot of the, this information. Now, folks know that from reading our coverage back in 2021. We've referred to it often in recent weeks. But there was another pressure point on Alec Murdoch in those days uh, and weeks leading up to the 2021 Moselle double homicide. There was another pressure. It wasn't just a civil court that was looking at Alec Murdoch's finances. This news outlet has learned exclusively that Murdoch's finances were the focus of a statewide grand jury. In fact, a judge in Columbia, South Carolina, Judge Robert Hood, uh, was made aware, at the very least, perhaps signed off on, but we know he was made aware in April of 2021 of a subpoena by the grand jury to get Alec Murdoch's bank records. And obviously, given the relationship between Murdoch and these various banks in the low country, it's a fair assessment that if the banks were aware of this subpoena, they probably told Murdoch pretty quickly, given that the banks have been, uh, by all appearances anyway, an integral part of the various financial scams that Murdoch ran against his former law firm clients. Uh, what bearing will this have on the broader Murdoch murders crime and corruption saga? At this point, it's not clear. But what we do know is that this financial investigation into Alec Murdoch, which has borne such fruit here in late 2021 and the first quarter of 2022 with numerous indictments, that investigation began before, before the Moselle homicides. And in fact, it was something that was bearing down on Alec Murdoch around the time that these murders took place. For the latest on that, you can check out FitzNews.com for all your Murdoch crime and corruption information. So yeah, that would definitely bring the pains on. The grand jury were not going to go away. And I would imagine that Murdoch was notified of their probe and their request. On hearing that news, Murdoch would have known that the clock was ticking and that exposure was just a matter of time. OK, I think we need to take a breather. Well, I certainly do. That's a lot to take in. Until next time, be curious, ask questions and always trust your instincts. Here's my final thought and ask before the episode wraps. I really appreciate you listening to Crime Analyst. And if you like what I do, please take two minutes to leave a five-star review wherever you listen to me. It really helps others find me and my work, and it helps with the ratings too. Crime Analyst is written, produced and hosted by me, Laura Richards. 
Sound engineering by Jason Sheasley at Abridged Audio. Cover art and graphics by Chris Rowbottom at Syndicate and music by Kilrood. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.